Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. All right, praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the gifts that we're about to receive. And we thank you for all of the generosity of not only this church, but our community in reaching and touching people. Pray your blessing now upon the gifts that we're about to receive. And truly, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, yesterday uh, in the event that we had, the PTA put this on. They came to, uh, uh, to Maryland and to her, her team here some time back. And... Uh, they raised $1,600 yesterday, and guess where that's going? Backpack. Oh, not all of it's going there? Oh, that's going to PTA, and they're, but they're, somehow that's all, yeah. And so I better get my straight, my, my story straight here. Man, I'm after money any way I can get it, folks, I'm telling you right now. But then on top of that, which was a great event, by the way, and we become beneficiaries of a lot of what they are doing. There was a group in town that uh, disbanded, and they had money in their account. And so they decided, we're going to give it to the best program in town. So they brought a check for $1,300 over to Backpack yesterday. And so can you say thank you, Lord? Amen. So God's doing good things. Amen. We, uh, we have a guest this morning, and I'm delighted to have him here. Uh, we, uh, we love kids, as you already know that. And this young man, and it, did you hear that? <laughs> this yo- he's younger than me, that's why I can say that. He has such a heart and a passion for the youth of our state. And uh, quite candidly, Jeff and, and uh, Lauren are, have been very much touched and impacted by the ministry that he has touching kids on our campuses throughout the state of Oregon. And uh, we're delighted to have him here and to share with us what God is doing, and it's an exciting story, what God is doing in our state. Amen? How many of you know that Portland may be weird, but Jesus is still alive in Portland? Amen? And, and, And Eugene may be liberal, but Jesus is still there. Amen? And uh, we're excited, and he's going to tell the story. Would you welcome Tom Bachman as he comes to share this morning? There we go. It is great being home again. So you don't know it, but this is home to me. You say, what, did you grow up here? No, you're just family. And so if you were to look, I'm that cousin that you don't ever talk about. But I'm the good cousin you don't talk about. Maybe there is no such thing. Anyways, but we are family, and so I want to introduce you to the family you didn't know you had, and they'll be expecting birthday gifts and Christmas gifts from you. Uh, I'll give you my address later. Um, Anyways, but uh, on the screen, you can see my family. This is, uh, my wife is with me this morning. She doesn't usually get to travel with me, but thank you so much for your hospitality and your graciousness of allowing us to be put up at that wonderful motel last night. Thank you. Uh, we spent our first year anniversary at that motel. And so just great memories uh, of a, st- a windstorm that came through that night. 80 mile an hour winds. We had the curtain, the door open one inch. 
uh, this was years ago, and um, it was one inch, but when we woke up in the middle of the night, the, the curtains were plastered to the ceiling. It was one of those winds, you know? Uh, but last night was a great trip down memory lane. And just being here again, your church has been so invested in Youth Alive of Oregon. Uh, we have had our discipleship camp here in the last five, six years. We've had an or- Oregon Youth Alive Ministry Academy retreat in your facility. Uh, Jeff has been part of our program of raising up students to be in ministry, Oregon Youth Alive Ministry Academy. Lauren was one of our campus missionaries. uh, Jeff also was one of our campus missionaries. The list just goes on. And one of my favorite parts of this story, and uh, Sherry, you don't know this, but my mom and dad, uh, when her dad was the pastor at Bend Assembly of God on a vacation back in 1971, they walked the altar. And gave their heart to Jesus. And this is the truth, folks. I would not be here today if it wasn't for your dad. And so thank you. Thank you so much. And so um, that lets us know how tied together we are as family. Isn't that amazing? That this Oregon family goes beyond Florence and what's happening here God has a plan for our state. Now, how many of you listen to the news? How many of you believe everything you hear on the news? If you do, shame on you. How many of you know that there are things, you might not know this, but there are things happening in Oregon that the news never tells you? There are great things happening in Oregon. In fact, this is what you don't know. In fact, today will be a day that by the end of it, I'm hoping that you will leave here filled with such hope that you will know that Oregon is now a lighthouse for the rest of the country of what God is doing on public schools across the state. God is in control, and God is doing things that they have never seen done across our country right here in the state of Oregon. You got Jesus pimples yet? I do. My hands, yeah. I love what God's up to. And let me just start out by saying thank you. 22 years ago, when we stepped out in faith as youth pastors that nobody knew into a mission field that there wasn't even one created yet, uh, not, in 1999, the national office decided there would be a Youth Alive department, but in 96, my wife and I said, we're just going to take a step of faith. But 22 years ago, you guys came alongside of us, and you've begun, you planted seeds, you financially were a part of us, you were a part of our prayer team all these last 22 years. So everything I share today, everything, everything you own, it's yours. You did it. You made it happen. This could not happen without this church here in Florence being a part. I tell your story about the backpacks everywhere I go. I have stolen your story. It's not my story. It's your story. But I've stolen it and taken it on as if I had something to do with it. And I don't. I had nothing to do with it. It had everything to do with Jesus Christ and what he is doing in our state. And to be honest with you, everything you hear today has nothing to do with Tom Bachman. It has everything to do with God doing what he wanted to do in a very dark place. Where else would God show up? 
he would show up in the darkest place so that he can shine his light. And that's what he's done over the last 22 years. The stories coming out of Oregon are reaching across our country. I get phone calls from other people across the world. What am I hearing is happening in Oregon? And I'm like, what are you hearing? Oh, yeah, that's been going on for a while. You know, that's old hat here. What? Who can I talk to? Well, you can talk to me. I can put you in contact with the pastor. You can just hear what's going on. It's, it's so not new here. But God is up, up to something in our state, and you're a part of that. You have been a part of that forever. So I just want to jump into this. What our goal is, is we want to, before I do that, I've got to show you the most important one. Let's go to the next slide. This is, I am now a grandpa. I know I don't look old enough, as pastor said, I'm young. Nobody said Amen. I'm leaving. <laughs> no. This is Kaya. Yes, that is just one baby. Um, I'm a proud papa, grandpa. And uh, Kaya is one year old. Uh, she is the pride of my life. What people have told me about raising a grandchild, I didn't realize what that meant. There's no book that's written why grandparenting is so much better than parenting. Parenting, when kids get in trouble, you're stuck with them. When you're a grandparent, you can go, oh, I love you. Oh, she's crying. I love you. Oh, she's wet. Grandma. By the way, Grandma's over here. Daylene, my wife, is sitting here, and, and I'm just blessed to have her as well this morning. But we're getting ready to have number two, and this is your family. These are your family. I had a picture up there before. Uh, my, two of my kids are on staff at Willamette Christian Center. Another set of them were also on staff at Willamette Christian Center, where your former pastor is now on staff. And then my son and daughter, who were in, my son was in the military. Again, the last time I was here, I told you his testimony and his story. I think this last year, the greatest thing that has happened, and I didn't share this in the first service, but my son, who, uh, as he was a, a young man, was abused by a man in our church, I shared that story, but here we are now, 18, no, what am I saying, Uh, 10 years after the fact, and my son and I were able to do two men's camps this year, where my son, who's on the journey back towards God, was able to share his story. What an amazing year it's been, being in two different camps, where my son shared his journey of brokenness, and what God does. God does it. And so it's wonderful to be around for that long that you can share those stories and have people like Lauren and Jeff be a part of that and you be a part of all that story. Because again, my son's restoration is based on the body of Christ of Oregon coming together. And I can tell story after story of people in other churches that have impacted his life as well as my children's life. Thank you, Oregon. Thank you, Florence, for being a part of that. Let's move to the next slide. Our mission is there are uh, over 385,000 teenagers in Oregon today. We're up over 500,000, but a few years back, I decided I wasn't going to change the number anymore because I had to change all my, my paperwork and all my f- stuff that I hand out. So we just stopped at 385,000. The goal is that none should perish, period. All teenagers in Oregon would come to Jesus. Our vision is we do it through prayer. We do it through networking. We do it through serving. We serve it. We do it through loving. But we do everything that we can to reach into the school system and meet the needs of the schools so that we have the opportunity to bless Jesus and show Jesus the message of hope. What a perfect season we're in. The message of hope to be able to share with students. 
our core values, of course, as students in the state of Oregon, our core value is the body of Christ, us, the church. Our core values are schools. Our core values is of obviously Christ. That's what we do. But how we do it, the next slide really represents that and who we are really reaching out to. Angelina is our next slide. Angelina comes to us from state and Oregon. She grew up in Salem. If you were to hear her stand in front of you this morning, I'm going to show a short video. But what she doesn't tell you is that she was literally raised by a meth addict mom. Her home was a backseat of a car for much of her life. And yet one day she walked into our state and assembly of God church with her mother and they walked the aisle together and gave their heart to Jesus. And this, this testimony of her life came just after that. Go ahead and show this video. Hello. So basically this is a video on how I feel. Um, I've been getting a lot closer to God. And um, basically I know that I'm worth it. Um, if I just continue to believe and do what I need to do, everything good and amazing in my life should um, start to fall into place. And you just be faithful and you need to keep going. You you can't give up. I didn't ask Angelina to send that to me. She wanted to. It was right after her and her mom walked the aisle and you can hear still in her voice the journey. It's been six years. Today, she's leading worship in her youth group. Her mom's on the youth staff completely delivered from methamphetamine. God is still in control in our state, but these are the type of students that walk the schools here in Sayusla, at the high school and at the middle school. 50% of the children that exist in our schools today surf from one couch to the next. In other words, they're homeless across the state of Oregon. They're living with grandparents. According to the stats in our state, they are considered homeless when they live with somebody other than their parents. And so today, we represent, she represents that. She represents hopelessness. She represents pain. You see, where you and I wake up in the morning and we may get our cup of coffee and when we sit at our breakfast bar and we sit and sip as we look out at the beautiful ocean and we're saying, man, I'm getting my good start today. I need to have a sip of coffee. People just like Angelina that are filled with pain that if you looked at their arms, there would be scars up and down both arms. They may have an eating disorder. They may have low self-esteem. They may have anxiety. They may have fears. They may have things that are causing them not to exist in the world that we live in. And she also represents those that are into self-harm. You see, she wakes up or woke up for the first 14, 15 years of her life in pain. Her coffee was pain. Please think about that for a minute. If it was a beautiful day, she couldn't handle how calm it was. And she would take a razor blade and cut her arm to bring pain back into her life because pain was the center of existence. But how many of us know that Jesus changes that? 
Jesus changed that in her life. And Jesus is waiting to change that in the lives of teenagers across our state. And to be honest with you, God is up to something. Because Angelina represents one side of the scale. There are others within our state that represent the other side. And this morning, I'm blessed because, again, Pastor and his wife both represent one of our most phenomenal most phenomenal young ladies that have come up through the system uh, of, of what we've been able to see happen. Alyssa Kellum has been one of those amazing bright lights in our state. And her life from being in sixth grade, even before that, but I came and she came a part of my life in the sixth grade. From sixth grade through a senior in high school, she cherished going to school every day so that she could penetrate the darkness. And just recently, she went up to Northwest University in Salem working towards getting her nursing degree, working towards what would be the next step in her life. And I asked her, as a campus missionary, one of our student missionaries to the public schools, I asked her to write me a, a, a spoken, uh, spoken word, and this is what she came up with. Listen to this. There is a call that beckons to the campus missionary. A call to believe for the souls of the 385,000 students found in homes and schools across the state of Oregon. A call to live for the cause of Christ and the cries of the broken teenagers they walk the halls alongside every day. Does a still small voice beckon you, calling you to grow, to go, to give your life away? You know, the call is really one to believe, to believe that the spirit of the living God wants to empower you to do the impossible, to transform you daily through the power of Christ on the cross. Hear me, if there is a Jesus formula at all, it is but a surrendered heart that says, I want to know you, God. A heart that will not apologize for loving the Lord with all they are. A heart that hungers for more and more and still more of the things of heaven. Friend, to grow is to believe that no prayer is wasted. No friend is too far away. No pain or sin or regret is too great to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You are not too young, too immature, or too small. The kingdom of God needs you. Your number has been drawn out of the 385,000 called up, called out to go to your high school, your home school, your middle school, whatever your mission field, and plant seeds of faith seeds of kindness and truth, seeds of all that Jesus has done inside of you and all that he did through the cross and the grave to live your life in such a way that whether or not your friends get saved, you can say that you have been faithful. Let me tell you, hell fears the student that is willing to loudly believe the gospel, to obey when it's hard, to beg to see the hand of God move. Can you hear him asking you to come and die, to take up your cross, to take up his cause, to become a living sacrifice, to burn brightly on the altar and dwell mightily by the Holy Spirit, your helper, all because you believe at 11, at 12, at 18, that 385,000 lives are worth everything it's going to cost you to go. Believe that heaven should be chocked full of students from Oregon Western, Eastern, and Central believe that the love of Jesus is as powerful as it claims and that the call beckoning to the campus missionary is saying your name. That is us. 
That is, we are Oregon. That's Youth Alive. And you have such a huge part of that. I just sit realizing how empowered God has raised up much part of this generation. Again, many of us would walk away from a service like this this morning and potentially say, but that's not my grandkid. (laughs) It doesn't matter because she is part of our family. And we have teenagers across the state of Oregon that are doing exactly that. If you go to Pendleton just this last week, three days this last week, right on public school campuses at Pilot Rock High School, at Stanridge Middle School, and at Pendleton High School, three gospel presentation services happened right in the middle of public school day. You say, how is that possible? It's called equal access. We have the right to have a Bible club right in the middle of the day. We have a, we have a church out in, in uh, uh, Lakeview right now that this last week they just started a, a school program for elementary school kids right in the middle of the day where they come and hear the gospel presentation right in the gym at the public school. You see, these things are our rights. We don't go in and demand them. We go in and partner with and realize that we have an obligation to give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give unto God what belongs to God. And right now, God is opening the doors up. Where 22 years ago, when I started in doing this, there had been ground, uh, groundswell that had taken place because of previous leaders. People like uh, uh, Stan Russell, who laid the foundations for us to build upon. People uh, that have come along through our state that radically set the, temper, uh, the temperature of campus ministry across our country. Many of you don't realize that right here, Oregon, is the place that public school campus ministry exploded first. Right in Dallas, Oregon with your your brother-in-law, Boyd, and his youth pastor where they had 400 students out of 800 at Dallas High School back in the day with, again, another grandniece of yours, or no, a niece of yours, ran a, a Bible study that 400 kids came to out of 800, half the student body. All of that happened and started right here in Oregon. You see, right here in Oregon is where God is going to explode and continues to explode his presence and his gift of hope to those that don't know who Jesus is. You see, we don't have to leave Oregon. We don't have to go to Africa. We just have to go down this road a little bit Hang a right, go up the street about a half a mile, and you have found your mission field. It doesn't go outside of Oregon. It is right here. And right here is where God has called all of us. And the greatest part is, is you already are doing it. Those hundred plus students that receive a backpack receive a gift of hope of who Jesus Christ is because of you. I share that story because it is us. It is Oregon. This is where my grandkids will grow up. This is where my great-grandkids will grow up. I am investing in Oregon schools because there will be another man that fills this role after I'm done because we cannot forget what our greatest asset is. Our greatest asset are our kids. And they are not tomorrow's school. They're not tomorrow's church. They're not tomorrow. They are now. They are making all their decisions on who they will become in their future by watching you 
now. Right now. Come on, church. So I've got to ask, before you throw rocks, what message are you sending? I'm not saying as the body. Because I know what your church here does. And I love what Crossroads does. You've just hired a children's pastor. You've hired a youth pastor. You do the backpacks. But what are you doing? When your grad kids come over and they act up, are they seeing Jesus? Are they seeing an angry old person? Because guess what? In that moment, Jesus is an angry old person. We are the Jesus they see. When that neighbor child jumps into your rhododendron garden. You see, I only tell this because we had a a lady that lived right next to us for many of our years back at home. And my son, the biggest lawn on the block was our adjacent lawns. And all the kids played football. And my son was right in the middle of it as a young elementary kid. And she planted a tree in the middle of that to hopefully keep the kids off, and they didn't, and they snapped the tree. She wasn't very happy. But if you ask my son John today as a 26-year-old, what do you think of Kathy? His answer will be, she was mean. Kathy went to church every Sunday. What message do we send to this generation? Because how we live out our lives every single day represents the Jesus that we serve. And so today, church, realize I'm family. What are you going to do? Kick me out? This is us. When I point fingers at you, I point three fingers back at me. This is us. This is Oregon. This is our state. What are we going to do with our state? What are we going to do with Florence? Because Jesus has a reason for you to be here. And the doors are not done. You're not retired. You're not finished. God has so many things. One of the most exciting things that God has opened a door for us to do is to join in with SMART. How many of you are familiar with the SMART program? SMART program is a reading program. I don't know that it's here in town. Some towns uh, adopt the SMART program. Other towns adopt their own reading program. But all of them enlist all of us to help teach children how to read. SMART has a program that if you walked in, you would come in in October and be done in May. Isn't that wonderful, knowing you have a start and an end to a ministry? It's wonderful. Another thing is, is you would have one hour a week. One hour. That's it. One whole hour a week, and you would know what day of the week it was every week. So you can plan your whole schedule around working with children. In the SMART program, if you're working with kindergartners, you would be working with four, I believe, kindergartners or preschoolers, and I believe the number goes up as you get more and more time with individual children. But at the end of the day, the most you would have would be three in one hour. Imagine sitting with a child for one hour and letting them know and see the light of Jesus in your life and the smile and the love that would come out of your heart. One of the statements I just heard recently from from someone was this, is that... uh, Children that are unloved at home go to school to learn to, to, to be loved. 
Children unloved at home go to school to be loved. Children that are loved at home go to school to learn. Let me read you a statistic. Stats are stats. You can do with it whatever you want, but it's, it's a statistic. I had it open. There it is. 66% of children who are not reading at grade level in the fourth grade will end up on welfare or in prison. Should I say that again? 66% of children who are not reading at grade level in the fourth grade will end up on welfare or in prison. 89% of children who are reading at grade level in the third grade will graduate high school regardless of race, class, or gender. You want to know how we can impact a generation? What if the body of Christ said, I'm just going to teach children how to read? And we own the program. We own the ministry. We said we will do it. Nobody else has to do it but the body of Christ, the church, the body of Christ. And we came in and allowed the light and salt of Jesus to penetrate the darkness. And all we did was one hour a week is sit with three to four children and teach them how to read. You say, but what about having to vocalize? God is in control. Church, God is in control. God knows what he's doing. So what if we did that? These are the outcomes. This next slide is Joey. Joey is a young man. Um, Years ago, I shared his story with you. He was raised in inner city Portland by a wonderful father that loved Jesus and consistency continues to love Jesus. But Joey, as I shared with you before, he has led over 100 of his friends to the Lord in the last four years. Over 100 of his friends. He has a younger sister that caught on to this. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. She has led over 20 of her friends to the Lord. And their nine-year-old little brother is up over 10. God is up to something in our state. When we get out of our comfort zone and just listen to the will of the Father. He was raised in inner city Portland. This next slide represents uh, one of our pastors right here in the Eugene area, uh, Van Clemens, where my, where my kids have been on staff with him for the last uh, five, six years now. And uh, Van is, is a part of a program there in, in Eugene called One Hope. In that, that community of believers, there's about 40 plus churches that have joined together for the purpose of meeting the needs. And if I were to share his video today, Van would say, you know what? All we decided to do is to find out what the needs were in our community and meet them. Much like what you have done here. You found out that there was a need for food. And that's what God said in his words. Widow and orphans, we're feeding them. That's what God said to do, and he will bless. He will do what's necessary to draw them to himself. He wants people saved more than we do. He wants all to come to repentance and none perish. That's his will. He wants it more than we do. All we have to do is be faithful to do. And because of their faithfulness, again, 48 churches over the last six to seven years, that community of believers used to rent out Autzen Stadium. And give away over 12,000 backpacks, 12,000 pairs of shoes, 12,000 jackets, 12,000 blankets to kids in need. It got so big that they had to move away from Autzen Stadium. 
and now the regional doing the same thing. Because of that, doors have swung wide open. Foundations have been planted by the church. The church has done this. The church, the body of Christ, who 22 years ago, the church got the schools closed. Today, the church has opened the doors again. The body of Christ. Because of that right now, there have been at uh, Churchill High School, when my daughter was a children's pastor, came to the pastor van and said, do you have any people that have master's degrees that are retired? We need people that will come in and do substitute teaching. We'll take them all. To the church. To us, believers. God is up to something in Oregon. Please don't believe the news. The news lies. God is moving by his spirit in our state, in our state. If you go to this next slide, this is a, a pastor um, from uh, Church on the Hill. This is, uh, he is at uh, Church on the Hill in Salem. I apologize for trying to remember his name. It's up there. Bruce Stefanik. There we go. And a few years back, I'm going to have you listen to his video, but this tells of, of another thing that another church has done to come on board and working in the public schools. Go ahead. When you stay within the four walls of your church, you just get kind of stuck in a rut with what you've always done or with what you know. <coughs> About five years ago, we, God began to kind of stir us as a group of leaders and elders and deacons, and we went to the four corners of Salem, went as far west as we could get and still be in the city, east, north, and south. The question we were asking God was, is, uh, God, we believe you want to expand our influence in the city. We want to serve somewhere, and how and where would that be? And uh, one of the teams that came back from the north, they'd been out by what is now Kaiser Station. That team felt like we were going to be working out there in the, in the north part of the city. One day we got a call from our district office. They had a church property, and they wanted us to come out and just take a look at it. And sure enough, here was this really nice piece of property with a building and a sanctuary and a gym and so forth. And right across the street is Kennedy School. And so for us, that was like the first order of business. Let's go over and knock on the door and say, hey, we're new in the neighborhood, and, and what can we do for you? And so that's when uh, we met with the, the principal, Ms. Gallagher, and, and she was really thrilled at the idea. And she said, I can think of a number of different things, but a teacher, Mrs. Cheever, she had a vision for starting a mentoring program, something they'd never had at Kennedy School. She came in and just shared some stories, and uh, it was a powerful moment because um, she just shared about the, the number of single moms, the number of kids who had one parent who were incarcerated. She shared about the number of kids that didn't speak English, that were struggling, trying to keep up. That resonated so deeply with us, we knew that we were in the right place uh, at the right time. That night, I think about 35 people signed up. And at first, as they matched us up, those, those, those first meetings were awkward. But uh, as we got used to it, and we got used to walking through the halls and putting on the badge once a week and just showing up on a regular basis, it was a real sense of, like, yeah, we could do this. The boy I'm mentoring right now is in fifth grade. And um, um, when I go into the classroom to get him on Thursday, I can always tell whether he's having a good day or a bad day. And uh, when I asked the teacher, well, what's the issue? He said, he's having some real issues with respect. We went into the library and we sat down and uh, I looked at him and said, Gabe, uh, you're in trouble for being disrespectful. He said, yeah. I said, so what does respect look like to you? He just looked at me and said, you know when someone just gives me a hug? And 
But I just heard the, the cry of a kid that said, man, I just want the most basic stuff. I just want to be loved. Love. Changes it all, doesn't it? It's not as hard as we thought it was. It's just being available and loving. And so when you walk into a classroom and you teach a child how to read, by semester they're running in and giving you a hug and they're calling you grandpa, grandma. And you bring them that little gift on their birthday, you're hugging them. And you're hugging them in Jesus' name. And you're saying, my Jesus loves you. You say, how does that word get out? Man, if I knew how God did things, wow. But I don't. And I just know God does stuff. And he does things that I am incapable of doing when I am obedient to just say yes. You see, this morning, we, we have a number of things you can be involved in. Yes, the SMART program. But we're asking at the end of our service this morning, you can see that there's some white cards up here on the stage. And we're going to ask you, as a body of Christ, what would you do to adopt one of your own? I asked Pastor Jeff what students are represented here at your church here at Crossroads, and he sent me a list. And this represents every student that's been a part of the youth ministry here. And on this card, it says, I will pray for. We're asking you to take one of these cards, two of these cards, five of these cards, plaster your refrigerator with them, plaster your mirror, uh, but do whatever's necessary to get their names in front of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. We're asking you to be a part of a team that prays for kids because if you don't believe prayer changes things, it does. And so this morning, we're asking you to involve yourself for the next year. Take two, three, five, ten of these cards. There's five for each of the students, but grab them at the end of the, stu- the, the service. Another way that you can be involved is uh, my wife and I, on the way in this morning, stopped off at, on your, your main road with all your schools, the elementary school, the middle school, and we stole the sign. We'll put it back. No, I own this. I bought it. Um, but anybody recognize this sign? It's a crosswalk sign, but it's, it's a school zone sign. And have you noticed that the mother and daughter are holding hands? You know what they're doing? They're praying. No, they're not. They wouldn't do that. But guess what? Now, from now on, every time you see that sign, you're going to go, oh, that's the prayer sign. What happens if you slowed down? Because you have to. And instead of bowing your head and closing your eyes, please don't do that. But kept your eyes wide open as you drove from one of these signs to the next one. You just prayed. If you'll do that inside your bulletin this morning, there's a green and yellow card. Yes, I'm a duck fan. Go Ducks. And uh, there's a yellow portion of that. If you'll fill out the card, get it back to me. I'll give you some static stickers to put in your car to remind you that as you drive through a school zone, to pray for students. Some of you now remember me because you're part of the prayer team. We have over 27, almost 2,800 prayer warriors in the state of Oregon right now praying for schools. You want to know why God is moving in Oregon? All of a sudden, 
Just all of a sudden. I don't know why, but all of a sudden, I'm sarcastic. Yes, people have been praying for 15 years for our schools. And God is doing what we've asked him to do. To draw all students to himself. Folks, this morning I'm asking you to be a part of that team as well. There's three ways to be involved. Do that. Let me take us on our final journey this morning. The next slide here represents all of our youth pastors in our state. This is Donnie. Donnie's a youth pastor over in Eugene. He's a part of the ministry that's taking place and the foundations that have been laid by generations before. I stand on the shoulders of people uh, like Jeff Swaim. I stand on the shoulders like people like Stan Russell. I stand on the, the shoulders of people like Mike DeRee. People that you don't know, but 20 plus years ago, they started the foundations of what campus ministry would look like in Oregon. And today, we're just greasing the wheel. Because it has its own momentum, like what's taking place here in Florence. Up over 100 backpacks every week now, feeding kids in the community that are desperate to have some hope. And you're a part of that. And because of that, these youth pastors are still doing phenomenal things. Donnie represents them. But we have a youth pastor up in Silverton, Matt Novak, that is doing an incredible work up there on the campuses up there. In fact, he just recently sent me a note that said this. He said, man, I've been banging on that door. It's right across the street from our church. I've been banging on it for five years. And finally, I was in a meeting for an after-school program where I'm on the board. And I sat next to a man I did not recognize. And finally, we were going around the room, and I found out he was the new principal of the high school. And he looked at me, and he said, Matt, what do you do? He says, I'm a youth pastor at the church right over there. He said, sir, I don't know how we can help you, but we will do anything to make your job easier. How can we help? The next three hours was vision casting. When it was open, when it was over, Matt literally was handed the keys to the school to walk onto the campus and to minister to students anytime he could. You see, in 22 years, because of prayer, because of people doing it right, God is now swinging the doors open. And we are at a place that the rest of the country is saying, I'm hearing about things in Oregon. What's going on? Folks, you have had a part of that. You have been a part of that team. Just recently in Medford, a youth pastor that had been there for years and years now has been a coach, just like Pastor Jeff has been a coach in your community. He just recently said, I walked into the principal's office at McLaughlin Middle School. She turned around and shut the door. She says, I'm not a God-fearing person, but would you sit down right now and pray with me? Church. Church. God's up to something in our state. God is moving by his spirit. And if we could see from his vantage point, we, you would have seen over the last 22 years, God strategically moving us as pieces of his, his, his workmanship, his, his glory, his power, his anointing, his, his, his greatness. And he has been moving us to a final end where we will reap a harvest that we have never seen before in this state because you will have had a part in it. And you think every day, many of us go home thinking, man, I wish I could do more. And God's sitting up there going, thank you for what you're doing because it's a part of my plan. The enemy would lie to us that we're doing nothing. The truth is, is what we are doing is penetrating the darkness and we are making a difference in public schools across our state. And the rest of the world 
is recognizing it. You are a part of that. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We do many other things. We do teen encounters. We're not going to uh, go through those. We do teen encounters, which are a, a retreat, a 24-hour lock-in. We've done some here. We've done them all across the state and actually across the country. I wish you could be on a wall when you see what God does in the lives of teenagers on a, on a Saturday night. The brokenness and the healing that takes place. It's so amazing to see what God does. We also run a, a thing in September called Oregon Coast Forum. This last year we were in Waldport with 25 youth pastors praying together, casting vision together, and dreaming for the future of how we're going to reach schools and children in those schools across the state of Oregon. It's wonderful when we come together for the purpose of prayer and relationship is the outcome. And we begin to celebrate what God's doing across our state. And God is moving. It's amazing to hear the stories. We're getting ready to open it up to children's ministers this next fall. And again, you have a part of that. Another thing that took place here was our discipleship camp right here. We had, we had tents out in the backyard here. We had children sleeping on your floors. We had a worship team up here. My son-in-law was a part of that. We had students sleeping all over this building about four years ago. And it was a camp that was run right here in your church. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing us that privilege. But those are, that's another thing that Youth Alive runs. And it'll be in Central Oregon again. Pastor Jeff is a part of that team that puts that together. And then lastly this morning, one of the other things that we do is we run a ministry program called Oregon Youth Alive Ministry Academy. Pastor Jeff was one of our graduates now about nine years ago, was a part of our program who we raise up students to be uh, leaders and youth pastors and children's pastors across the state of Oregon. The reason we do that, the reason we do that is we believe as if we plant a youth pastor, a youth group will explode. Lives will come into the kingdom. So imagine 140 communities where there's an Assembly of God church and no youth pastor. Those are the churches we're looking to fill. No children's pastor. We're looking to plant ministries in those communities where there are no youth pastors. We're looking to reach those kids at schools like in Mitchell where there's no one that's reaching out to the students in that community. Why? Because we believe that's where we will see the growth of the kingdom of God. Campuses will open up to churches where there's a youth pastor that can focus on that school. And we want to provide that opportunity. So pray for us. We need more kids. We don't have enough students in our program. We want to raise some up. But we also, this next year, have a venture. We have a vision. We have a desire to go into communities such as uh, we're going to be in Hebo. And we want to go in and raise up people from within that community to be able to run a youth ministry. And so we'll be a part of that process this next year too, planting youth ministry. The final story I just want to share this morning, and I'm just going to wrap us up, is a story about a teacher out in Pendleton. Her name is Catherine Youngman. She's an amazing lady. Three years ago, she woke up one morning, went to the doctor, and found out that she was in stage four cancer. She, has, she was the teacher as, a, as an English as a second language. If you've got that picture, could you throw that up there? This is Mrs. Youngman. She was uh, invited to be on this, this show because the, her story went viral uh, around the world. People in Netherlands were praying for her. It was an amazing story. But because of that, because students realized that this is an amazing light 
in, her, in their community could possibly die of a disease, they stepped up. It's in Pendleton. As I shared before, there are three Bible clubs in that community. Led by, one of them is led by a 13-year-old boy. Every week, preaching the gospel on that campus. Why? Because an adult stepped up and she says, what are they going to do, fire me? I'm dying of cancer. The best part, because we've been in that community for 11 years, at the end of that year, we were at graduation where we produced their graduation. Youth Alive comes alongside and actually produces the whole graduation for them. Why? Because it's what Jesus would do. Mrs. Youngman was standing on June, handing out diplomas, and every student gave her a card as they walked by her, all the graduates stopped and gave a Christian teacher a hug and said, thank you for your investment in me. Your life has mattered. She's still alive. Why am I sharing that story? Because all of us are Mrs. Youngman's. Every one of us have a story to tell. Every one of us have a place to belong. Every one of us have an investment that we can make into our communities. Every one of us have a child that we can come alongside. I'm asking you this morning, continue to be part of Youth Alive. Continue to do what God has called you to do. But it doesn't matter how young or how old we are. We all can affect a generation. Not tomorrow's generation of the church, today's. They are our church. Please, join me. Become part of the team. Join whatever reading program is here. Affect a generation by teaching them to read. Grab a hold of prayer cards this morning at the end of our service. And if you don't want to be a part of those, at least when you drive through a school zone, would you just slow down and pray? Be a part of our team. Let's affect Oregon and let's see God continue to draw all people to himself so that none shall perish. Pastor. The Lord is so good and being able to be a part of something like this is so valuable. All of us have a ministry. Amen? Oh, I can say amen by myself better than that. We all have a ministry. And that ministry could be prayer. You know, people minimize prayer. It is the greatest. It's the nuclear weapon of God. It is the one thing that I believe God would use. There's nothing that happens in the church that has any greater impact than that that's been prayed for. And, and these kids, I, I don't want one card left. Hello? I want every one of you to take a card. If you can't get one, we'll get some to them, right? But, but we want you to take, our kids are so valuable. They're such an important part of, of our lives. Sherry and I have been in this thing for a while now. We've pastored some great churches. We've had some incredibly gifted young men and women who have put their lives into kids and to children. We've lived long enough that we've seen the product of that. I remember when we were in Sandy and we had, we had two of the rowdiest boys I've ever seen in my life. I mean, 
if, if you've ever heard the word hellion, their pictures were beside it in the dictionary. And on a, on a Wednesday night, both those kids got saved. Three weeks later, I get a call from the superintendent of schools. And it, it, would you please come to superintendent's office? I was always nervous going to the principal's office. And I get into his office. He closes the door and he says, I don't know what the hell you did to those boys, but I want you to do it to the rest of the school. <laughs> His words, not mine. They gave, us, they gave us an office on the campus at Sandy High School. He said, I don't care what you do behind those doors. I Whatever you do, just d keep doing it. God gave us a revival on that campus. We've seen it over and over and over again. It makes a difference. And the prayer force that comes up behind them, oh my. I don't know how many young men and women that the Lord's allowed under our ministry that God's, they're all over the world. They're preaching the gospel. They're, they're teaching in Bible schools. They're missionaries. They're pastors. They're youth pastors. They're worship leaders. It's been wonderful to watch that happen. I want legacies from this church. We lost a very good friend this week. She left a legacy of over 80 women that she trained to be leaders for the kingdom of God. Tom, there are legacies of young men and women following your, your life and your wife's life into the kingdom of God because of the investment that you've made in them. I'm excited about this year. I don't know if I've been this excited for a long time. The campuses are opening to us. The community is open to us. We've plowed the field and the soil is soft for harvest. And we're going to watch God do a miracle. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do two things this morning. I'm going to ask our ushers to come because I believe in the ministry that Tom's leading. We're the beneficiary of part of that with Jeff and with Lauren. You're going to see some great things happen as a result of the lives that God's brought to us in the ministry that he's raising up among us. But I want to continue to help bless them, bless this ministry. Would you join me in that? So we're going to take an offering for that. And then at the end of that, I'm going to ask you to just join me right here. Just for a time of prayer. I woke up throughout the night last night with this service on my heart. With this moment on my heart. I woke up with a sense, oh God, you're going to do something for people today. They're going to be lives touched and transformed and healed. You're going to walk out of here different than the way you came in. Because we're going to meet God. But we're going to meet him around an altar. We're going to meet him knowing that he's still God enough to heal and deliver and save and grant victory into our lives. Amen. Amen. So Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we thank you. <clears throat> We thank you for we thank you for the call that you've placed on Tom and his wife and family and 
so many others that are being raised up under that ministry. And we're proud of them, Father. But we know you, you're delighted in what they're doing. We want to simply walk with them hand in hand in prayer. This morning, we want to bless them. Help us to bless them, Father. I pray your blessing upon these gifts as we give together. That, Lord, we'll see a greater harvest for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.